Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, and welcome to another episode of the VR1 NFT podcast. I'm your host, VR1. Good morning, good morning. We're going to do a module. Um, let me see if I can put a little bit of music for you guys, see what we got going on over here. Wouldn't be right or fair if I did it. Isn't that nice, right? A little bit of music on this beautiful and rainy day. Give you guys some background. At least start the day right. But um, we want to thank you for tuning in. I have a lot to express on my mind. And... Really, it's a goddamn shame that I had to have the same experience I had last week by going to a place that I frequent and getting horrible treatment. And what I've decided to do is never again frequent that place. And it it hurts me so much. Like, I want to go say something to the manager, the owners, or whatever. But I know at the end of the day, it's not worth it. So I'm actually going to send an email. And express what I feel about it. I believe it was racist. And I believe it's unfair. And it's really sad that people will go out of their way to do things like that sometimes, you know. Mm. So, get your coffees ready. Get your iced teas ready. Your warm teas. Your caramel macchiatos. Whatever works for you guys. Get your cheese danishes, your bagels, your English muffins, your toast, your breakfast, your eggs benedict, your protein shakes, your fruit snacks shakes, your blends, um, whatever gets you nice and cozy and comfortable to start your day. Um, First and foremost, I want to thank the higher power. For all of the blessings in our lives, I know I have a lot to be grateful for. I have a lot to be thankful for. And I have a lot to be appreciative for, you know. And at the end of the day, I think it's important to start the day giving thanks, you know, starting the day with positivity. I got a lot of stuff on my mind and, again, This is my way of connecting with the world, right? Just kind of showing my love and my support and my appreciation and, you know, utilizing every situation to basically inspire me and to turn the negative into a positive, you know? I'm all about building, man. And again, with psychology being my, my background, you know, my education. Um, I understand when people do certain things. And, of course, that creates an emotion, right? That that may bother you, etc. But what really hurts more is when you understand the why a person does what they does. Because it shows the deeper layer that is unseen in the day-to-day right so long story short 
I use these moments in my life to reflect, right? I'm dealing with something so complex, and all I can do as my first line of defense is share it with you guys that are my mentees, right? And again, you guys are all my business partners, so I don't like to use the term employees or or, or even mentees because, if anything, I'm learning just as much from you guys. You know, when somebody's a sage in your life or a guide, your baby Yoda or your Yoda, right? They are categorized as the sage because they're like the guide, right? But you know what I learned is that just like many things that are taught in Holy Scriptures, the apprentice learns as much as the master and teaches the master just as much. So I may give you some insight, right? And it may help you in life and business, etc., But the reality is I'm looking at every interval for an opportunity to learn from you guys as well. So all I can do is take everything one step at a time. You know what I mean? Papa, power this on, please, and put it on one. So long story short, you know, the the best way you could turn that off. Um, the radio, Bobby, turn the radio off. The best way that I can put it into context is this. What are the challenges for today, right? What, what are we facing as far as today? Well, I have five new businesses on the contract. And I'm going to be in site three for today. It's all one big contract, but there's, there's like subcontractors below the, the initial agreement. Um, there's actually a tropical storm headed my way. And um, every business is kind of adjusting to it, right? Kind of figuring out how they're going to manage the situation. So long story short, I have to adjust as well. And like I do in all business ventures, I have to consider the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions of every person that I'm dealing with. You see, outside of the business, I'm dealing with so many different people. And even if I don't want to engage, it's unfair for the people that God has blessed me, not only to be around me, but for me to be around them. So the laws of nature are binary. And I, I kind of see the recurring theme in that. In the sense that all I can do is take everything a day at a time. Now everything for me is a investment in forward motion. Because obviously this income I need it for other business ventures. And it's actually the reason why I'm making the sacrifice to do so, right? To to overextend myself and, and be all things to all these different business ventures, right? Well, I made a decision to move my family overseas a little bit sooner than I anticipated. 
And part of it is the education of my youngest son. You know, I want him to have a world-class education. That's something I'm very big on. So I want him to be exposed to different cultures in different parts of the world so he can understand us as parents better. And um, I also want my son to learn multiple languages, which I speak multiple languages because I've been able to travel. So now I want to kind of give that to, to, to my children. And all the decisions that I'm making are based on that. And, you know, life is not perfect. There's no perfect storm. You know, when me and my wife first retired, we, we kind of had a, a time frame of when we wanted to do these things. And I've decided that with everything that's going on in the world, and as a matter of fact, today's election day, um, I wanted to speed up the process. You know, I feel that these two years have been challenging and the next two years are going to be worse. So I'm going to seek like a financial refuge in investing overseas. So right now I'm also facing, as far as let's say real estate, I'm facing this dilemma, right? I bought some land for a very, very good price, a lot of land in parts of the United States. That was, I think, the beginning of this summer. Yeah, it hasn't been that long, right? Beginning of the summer. I had a whole business plan and a structure in place to kind of develop these lands, right? Well, now I'm kind of considering getting rid of that property or maybe holding it for some time. If I hold it, obviously it's still a liability because I'm still paying on the property. But... The comparison parallel is between investing that same amount of money overseas or selling parts of that land slowly and then building my new portfolio, which is an international real estate portfolio. And um, by comparison, you know, there's different parts of the United States that are more profitable than others. But overseas, it's like all bets are off. Overseas is like, if you build quality real estate, there's so much money going around that it's kind of like it's hard to fail. I think that the hardest thing is to get started and to build a system where, let's say, for example, you have your suppliers and your construction team and your contractors and your engineers and everything. But once you build a solid team, Meaning, like, once you've developed four or five properties, you're on easy street. It's like autopilot. And um, it's something that kind of piques my interest because if you, if you notice a lot of things in the United States due to the economic recession that we're in and really is a depression, a lot of things have kind of changed. So I'm thinking to myself, maybe this is the sign that, life has given me that I could use to basically establish something new. And um, I always try to revert things back to real estate. Whether I'm in technology or in the, you know, restaurant business or any other business venture, music, entertainment, I always think about the capital gains in real estate 
and overseas, the regulations are a little bit different. So in a sense, there's a lot of advantages overseas um, versus, let's say, the United States. Because I'm not sure, because I haven't done all the research, but I'm not sure that if real estate is as profitable in Europe as it is in the United States. But I'm still willing to make, let's say, less of a profit if I deem it to be more secure. I feel that where I want to invest right now, even though it's a long-term investment, like 15 to 25 years, I think it would be worth it. And I think that eventually, even my youngest child would be able to take over the company when I don't want to be as involved with it on a day-to-day basis. So I'm constantly looking for clues, right? I'm constantly looking for insights. And I hear a lot of my colleagues that are artists, you know, speak of like a six to eight year run as far as like a career, right? And those six to eight years, right? The first initial six to eight years, most of the money is generated. Everything else after that is like passive income or regenerative income, you know, let's say streaming continues, et cetera, um, to be the thing. Like those things always produce money. They may not produce as much as the beginning, but it's still a steady income stream, right? And um, which is another reason why, like, I'm interested in my YouTube channels and in my podcast because long after I, I slowed down with music, I'll never stop making music, but at least I will slow down with music. Long after I do that, I'll still have the podcast. I'll still be able to basically do all of the things that that I'm interested in doing. So at the end of the day, the best way that I could put it is that if you analyze all of those things and you think about how much time it takes to put a project together, to develop talent, to put the financing behind the talent, to be able to um, to exploit technology, all the money that's generated, everything that's created, then basically it puts everything into perspective because, you know, even though I want to work with new talent, I don't want to sign new talent to my record label. I want to basically endorse new talent and maybe uh, achieve like a joint venture or something like that. So at the end of the day... Even my goals have changed because, in a sense, I do want to educate um, even the youth. Like, when I connect with inner-city programs, when I connect with, like, you know, people that are trying to enter the education field, right? Even when I do that, I'm basically teaching them how to do everything that I do myself. And because of that, I'm I'm sharing the insight to where, let's say, an artist does not have to um, sign directly to my company. Maybe I can be like a concierge, like a, a facilitator as far as the industry. And let's talk about the industry. When I think about works of passion, right, things that you do for the love of what you do, right? You see, when you love something, you would do it for cheeseburgers, right? So 
what winds up happening is very simple. If I am doing a labor of love and I make minimum wage doing it, I'm talking about minimum wage worldwide, whatever the lowest minimum wage is in any part of the world. I don't care how high the poverty rate is. Because it's a labor of love, for me, it's a victory. For every dollar, it's a million dollars, right? So, long story short, this is the best way that I can describe my point of view. Any one of my businesses that is successful, that is able to sustain the lifestyle of my family, is a win. It's not just being a Drake or a Nicki Minaj or a little Wayne or a Jay-Z. Like those guys have something on a completely different spectrum. But I also see how some new artists are so successful and then to them it's never enough. Like they're not satisfied with their success. I'll give you an example. I have a friend of mine that has about a little over half a million dollars worth of jewelry on on a day-to-day basis. First of all, from a psychological standpoint, it's very sad when somebody has to wear that much jewelry to feel valuable. That shows me the insecurity that this person truly has, right? So at the end of the day, it is what it is in the sense that, you know, at the end of the day, what, what can you really do? There's nothing that you can really do because... For them, this is the norm. This is how they feel accepted as far as the industry, right? So now, what do you have? You have somebody like myself that comes into the industry with a much bigger catalog, with a much uh, better opportunity as far as the business, and at the end of the day, doesn't require those things. You know, it's great to have those things, again, in photography, let's say, in the cinematography of a music video, let's say in a film, let's say in a play, let's say in a public setting, even inside of a performance. But in real life, and day-to-day life, it is so unnecessary to actually be in that predicament for the simple fact that I don't need those things. See, that's the thing. Like, since I was a child, I always had the confidence in myself. Like, I'll give you an example. I have a 2004 Lamborghini Gallardo, right? Which is, this is the example I've been giving people since 2006, right? So, my car is a 2004. I go to a Cars and Coffee, for example, right? And you have people with, for example, let's say a... 2017 all the way up to 2021 2022 Lamborghini Aventador right first of all the Aventador is the top of the line second of all the Aventador is brand new but for some reason everybody is gravitating towards me towards my old Lamborghini Gallardo which doesn't have any modifications you know black on black on black black wheels you know basic right and after the cars and coffee let's say you go for a cruise right you go for a cruise you everybody goes and 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 goes for a cruise everybody sees how much happier i am 
how much more calm I am, how much more at peace I am. In a conversation, I'm not trying to be the loudest guy in the room. I don't want to win the pissing contest who could piss the farthest the longest. You know, and people ask me, you know, why why are you so happy? You know, you, your car is 18 years old, 20 years old. You know, it's not the fastest. It's not the brightest color. You're not the biggest guy in the room. Neither are you trying to be. And it's simple. It's because I have the confidence in myself to know that most of those guys in those brand new joints, they're fucking, they're suckers. They got no swagger. They, they're just insecure. They'll put themselves in a financial uh, predicament to showcase an image that's not reality. But see, new money has a reason to kind of convey that to the public. Like, they have a reason to want to show that to the world. I don't have those those emotions anymore. Like, I already graduated from that. If I was 17 and it's 1997, then yes, I would feel like I needed a Lamborghini to feel like I was the best artist. Now, fast forward to 2022. My friend, a colleague, a fellow colleague, actually one of my favorite new artists, not new to me, but new to the market, like as far as, you know, being on the scene right now, right, for for the new music. He's been a friend of mine for a while, right? Well, he is wearing what I was driving in jewelry. Are you following what I'm saying? His insecurity is more than the external. You know, I felt like I needed a Lamborghini because it wasn't my music and that was my dream and that's what I wanted. And that's what I felt like I needed to fit in, right? For people to respect me, like, not only am I hot, I'm the hottest thing on the planet. I'm the best artist, this, that, and the third. Well, I didn't think fast forward that most artists now, they, they, they could rent them and put them in every video. Like, when I had it, it was exclusive. You know, they only built 200 Diablos a year. When they started making Murcielago, it was like six to 8,000. When they started making Aventador, it was probably like 12,000 per year. So it goes to show you, it went from 200 cars available to the world to fucking 12,000. That makes a huge difference, especially in um, high-end luxury sports cars, right? Exotic cars, right? So at the end of the day, it puts everything back into perspective for the simple fact that, you know, I look at it now as my advantage because I don't have the need, I don't have the necessity to basically wear half a million dollars worth of jewelry or drive half a million dollars worth of a car. Like, I can drive my 2003-2004 Gallardo and be perfectly at peace, and people wonder why, and it's the confidence that I know that my music is better than my visual arts, that I can make a great song and make it a hit record and produce everything off of that record without having to sacrifice my financial stability, you know? And and, and my son is my executive producer. Like, I tell him all the time, listen, man, I could go buy a fucking new Huracan Performante, the STO, that shit is crazy, or I could put you in college, you know? I can't be selfish and go buy the Huracan STO. 
because that's not fair to my son. My son didn't ask to come into the world. So guess what? Daddy has to drive the putter so you can go to a good school. I'll give you the example with my oldest daughter. She wanted to go to school in Milan, and um, I, I did everything in my power to make that happen for her. So now my youngest son has the same opportunity. So it's crazy how how life kind of plays out because now me and my family are making Europe our permanent home. I'm not just going to be traveling from Europe. Like, that's it. I'm putting the anchor down. And when you've been an artist as long as I have and when you've traveled as much as I have, you never think that you will reach that point. But even if you own more than one property... There has to be a place that you call home. And not only a place that you call home, but a place that you call home and that is your own. And um, when me and my wife were much younger, you know, I thought London would be the place. I'm like, yo, London, London, London. Now I'm like Italy, Spain, France. You know why? Because I'm close to London. I'm close to Amsterdam. I'm close to Dubai. I'm close to the Netherlands. I'm close to Australia. I'm close to New Zealand. Like, it's a very strategic place because once you get to Europe, getting to Europe is expensive is what I'm trying to say. But once you're in Europe, you can travel through Europe fairly affordable, at least compared to what I was paying back in the days. You know, a flight on the Concorde, you know, you were looking at 2000 plus. You know what I'm saying? For for supersonic. And that shit is coming back. You get what I'm trying to say? So that's the, the, the magic of it. That look how much life has changed. Instead of having a car collection with let's say 50 or 60 vehicles. Or having a 40, 50 million dollar mansion. I'd rather have 10 half a million dollar mansions all over the world and have five or ten cars in each, you know, in each property, right? And then out of those five or ten cars, maybe six of them will be family vehicles. Maybe I'll only have one nice sports car at every home. Mind you, my plan is to refurbish these properties and sell them but I'll rent them out in the meantime. So the property kind of pays for its renovations, right? At least that's my real estate strategy. So I think ownership is greater than the illusion that artists pay for to be on TV. Because really, that's all the record label could do is put you on TV, put you on the radio, put you on the internet, etc., etc. So at the end of the day... You know, it is what it is. Everything is based on what your perception is and what reality is. You know, there's a very fine line between you having a vision and a goal and a dream. But then once you achieve that dream, you realize that your perspective has changed. So your goal may be to have a 100-car garage. And that's great. Aspire for that. Work for it until you achieve it. But then once you have the money, you really have to think to yourself like, damn, do I really want to spend $20 million on a McLaren F1 or $25 million? They're probably going for $30 million right now. Like, I love the car, but that car is a 1994. 
that's a factor that before I never thought would be a factor. I'll give you the example. The original Ferrari F40, $1.4 million before taxes, right? Or I could buy a 48 GTO. It's a V8, it's twin turbo, it's Ferrari, it's brand new, full warranty, zero miles. Yes, it's still expensive, three, four hundred grand all day. But, but, compared to $1.4 million, that's a million dollar discount. And you have a car where AC works, massage on the seats, power windows, power steering, ABS brakes, you know, all the new modern technology, right? So, I would be able to enjoy it. Not that I am interested in one. If anything, for my car collectors, I looked at a lot of 458 Italians. They're going for like 160, 170. That's my price range. But then by comparison, I can I can get a a, a 2017 McLaren um, 570s or a GT for around the same price. Now, that's a car that's five, six years old. Even for an exotic, that's still a nice, you know, entry point. And it doesn't have to break the bank. They're all little four-liter V8s with twin turbos. And um, because of the construction, because of the way that they're manufactured, you're still getting a very nice car. And then the shape is not really, it's not out of this world. It's not like the new ones. The new ones, I think, are much more beautiful aesthetic-wise. It's not like the first ones that are nice, but you could kind of tell they're from a different design team and a different era. But it's a good medium. You know, you figure a car that's 60000 you're paying about 1500 a month. So double that, you're in the 120 range. That's about three grand a month. But for 4000 a month, you know, you're close to a $200,000 car. And I know it sounds a lot, but for somebody making a few hundred thousand a year, it's not that much to pay three, 4000 per month. Now, granted, that's the price of a mortgage. You know, if you have two rental properties and they each make you 2500 profit per month, then those two properties pay for the car. And then after you pay for the car, everything is profit. But it, it all depends how you finesse it, how you kind of administrate what you're trying to do. So this is just an example. So if having enough investments, right, where you could pay 3500 a month plus 500 for insurance, let's say four grand, that's $1,000 a week. That's a hobby that's costing you $175 a day. Is it really that serious? When you can get... Again, Toyota Camry, Honda Accord, all day for four or five hundred a month. The car is sealed for a hundred thousand miles. It's sporty, it's luxury, you know, it's not that serious. That's the car you're gonna drive ninety-eight percent of the times, right? So when selecting an exotic car that you're gonna drive two to three percent of the time, is it really worth it? For a hundred thousand, I could get a Gallardo six speed. And I could put turbos on it. I could modify it. High mileage for those cars is like 40,000 miles. You know what kind of discount I would get if I bought one for 40,000 miles and I rebuilt it myself and I put custom pistons and cams and whatever? Just to give you an example, if I wanted that headache or like I said in in yesterday's podcast, I got the new fucking Corvette, 100,000. I'm looking at a white one with red leather right now. 
You know what I mean? Zero miles, full warranty. Out of the three years of warranty, initial warranty, I'll drive it for a year and a half, and I'll get a new one. Because I am old enough to save the money and not get in the top of the line. But then over the course of, let's say, five or six years, I'll have probably four four different cars. You know, maybe I'll start with the coupe, then I'll move on to the spider, or maybe I'll get the spider, and I'll go back to the hardtop. Everything depends. But again, it just goes to show you, when you're doing, once again, a, a, a labor of love, right? Even if you got cheeseburgers, it will be worth it. So if you gave me minimum wage, doing what I love, which is music, being able to completely sustain my family and put my kids through a good education, mission accomplished. Because I have the discipline to not only achieve that success, but have the peace of mind that comes with it. And that's something that is an art form. Everybody may say they like that idea, but everybody doesn't reach that eureka. Things for me are still valuable, even a cup of water. Driving a Lamborghini is not going to change that. Driving a Ferrari or Porsche is not going to change that. And the reason why I always give you guys car terms and I speak in concepts is because automotive passion is a very big part of who I am. Everything from the aesthetics to the art to the design to the performance to the engineering, I'm all into that shit. Like some people play baseball. I love music and technology and I love cars. You know, just as much as I love cutting hair, you know, I'm still a barber at heart, but my talent in music supersedes my talent as a barber. My talent in technology supersedes my ability to secure a deal for real estate. You know, I'm able to always think outside of the box and, and, and be forward thinking in everything that I do. So it goes to show you that like my mentors used to always tell me, everybody doesn't want a BMW. The reason why I constantly bring these concepts up is because once I realized, like I had a vision and a dream and I had a goal. And once I achieved it, my perspective changed. I realized the truth of all things in life is that once you climb the mountain, your perspective has to change. You cannot work this hard to become an overnight success and, and, and go through the 18 to 25 year process to have the same point of view. It's just, it's impossible for you to have the same point of view. So at the end of the day, it is what it is because what do you do then? What happens when you, you know, you drive an older Lamborghini and, you know, it gives you peace of mind, right? And you drive a new one and you're not that impressed because nothing is like the first one. The first one you buy is not the one you want. You buy the one that you can afford. You buy the, the one that you can get your hands on. You know, they're always going to make one faster and stronger and, and brighter color and whatever. And none of those things matter because no matter how many times you try to replace that first initial engagement, you can never replace it. And for me, that's the all-time equalizer. Like, 
are you telling me that I can shine, quote unquote, how they say in, our, in, in the hip hop culture, I can shine just as much with my own swagger, with my own confidence in a 2003-2004, you know, Gallardo as a brand new one, and I'm paying 15% of what a new one costs, and it doesn't matter because the people that love me understand. They love me for who I am, not for what I drive, not for the jewelry that I have on, not for the clothing that I have on, not for the size of the of the mansion that I live in. You understand me? All of those things you realize that are not necessarily important. So now, even even knowing the business of music, right? Just as an artist, knowing the business of music automatically is going to change the way that you write records is going to change the way that you you um conduct yourself. <laughs> Look at the puppy, Bobby. <laughs> right? Because your perspective completely changes, right? Your perspective is is completely different because you realize like this was it. I've come across studies, right? And again, car concepts. I always give you guys the best car concepts. Driving a Civic Type R is going to give your brain the same emotion as driving a Ferrari. And we've allowed the industry to fool us into thinking otherwise. I'll give you an example. The 2017, 2018, 2019 Corvette, it's mid-engine. The engine is in front of the driver behind the front wheels. So now they sell you the C8 and say that this car is mid-engine. Yeah, it's mid-engine, but the engine is placed behind the driver. That's the only difference. People were paying a premium for something that they already had because it was marketing, because it was clever. You telling me if I had a choice between a, a, a 3LT CA Corvette and a 3LT or 3LZ um, ZR1, what do you think I'm going to pick? <laughs> you know I'm buying that 2019. You know, I had a chance to buy one for 144000 Those cars are going for like two fifty right now. 750 horsepower from the factory. You can't beat that. Not for that price. Not for that mileage. You, If you want paddle shifters, you can get paddle shifters. I would like the six-speed. I think that that's what that car needs as far as being on the track. You know, on the streets, yeah, flappy paddle shifters are going to be quicker. You know, on a track, I just don't trust the paddle shifters, you know, in, in that sense. But it just goes to show you, man, like, everything that glitters is not gold. You know, if you can have the confidence, like, again, for me, I'm like, are you serious? This this is what it's all about? Why do I need a $60 million mansion to feel like I'm part of the hip-hop community or that I fit in? Do you need to see me on TV every single day to know that my music is better? No. You know, give me my 4 or 5 million fans all over the world that none of you know about, and I'm perfectly happy with that because I'm still going to be a DECA millionaire doing my music without being on TV. And some artists feel that if they're not on TV, they're not relevant. 
because their cousin Juju can't see them on TV and say, you're relevant because I saw you on TV. I may never get a Grammy. I may never get a a Latin Music Award or a Billboard Award or an MTV Award or a fucking Kids Choice Award. But that's okay because to my fans, if I sell out an arena with 50 to 100,000 people, for me, that is my Latin Grammy. That is my, my People's Choice Award. And in a sense, if I didn't believe that vision that was given to me, if I didn't believe the facade that the industry promotes to, to, to everybody, including artists, I wouldn't be telling the new talent like, yo, it's not what you think it is. You see, I've been famous all my life, so I know how to deal with this shit. I know how to deal with the headache just dealing with my own family. Just dealing with my own friends, just dealing with my own colleagues. You know, even when people interview you, and I always study the interviews of other artists, right? The questions that they ask them is because they don't know the business. So what's the best way to have a good interview is you tell them the truth. You know, for example, I'll give you a prime example. We're going to conclude with this for today because we have to get through the day, right? So these are all my friends, right? So they're having a radio show overseas. And you have one gentleman who owns the network and the program, and he has a guest uh, co-host, right? And the co-host doesn't know the business. He's just somebody that talks about music from the outside as a consumer. So they're having a discussion about another friend of mine who's a huge artist, huge, huge, huge artist. I mean... 20-plus million-dollar contract, this guy is on top of the world, right? So they're saying how, you know, he needs to get new writers to to change the context of his music. Now, mind you, as a businessman, I know he doesn't understand the business, number one. Number two, as a consumer, he feels intimidated by the lyrics of this young man. But this young man's worth 20-something million dollars. He can't talk about poverty and struggle because he's not living in that no more this person is taking it personal and doesn't understand that so now he says to solve that the solution is why don't we get him a writer that is still struggling to talk about the struggle instead of saying why doesn't he work on new concepts he's shitting on the fact that this guy's rich successful and that's all he talks about right it's like asking floyd mayweather to talk about losing when all he knows is winning that's his model, right? The best ever, greatest of all time. I'm the best. I'm the best. Same shit with my music. I'm like, yo, I'm the fucking best thing since sliced bread, right? Well, the reality is, is that if you, and I agree with the owner of the network, if you listen to what everybody says, you're going to go crazy because you can't be all things to all people. And again, when I go overseas to perform, what I'm going to tell these new artists is it's okay to be you. And to be different. Look at Bad Bunny. The only two motherfuckers on this planet with that deal that Bad Bunny has is Bad Bunny and me. Except he pushed the button to the point where he's international crazy. I'm international on the come up. So I'm ahead of a lot of my colleagues in the fact that I'm international. But he's like bananas. Like every fucking chart, every outlet... He's number one. Now, 
What sets him apart? He knew the business. He was controversial in the beginning. He's very artistic. But the key element here is he's different. He's not afraid to be himself. This nigga's kissed men on stage. This nigga's wore fucking skirts. This nigga's done a lot of crazy shit. Now, I don't advise that for new artists or whatever. Because I wouldn't do that myself. But it goes to show you the point of view of what we are trying to, to showcase here, right? It's okay to be yourself. For me, I think I'm going to be the first artist to have a hooked up Honda Civic in my video. And people are going to be like, yo, why does he have a, a Civic type bar instead of having a Porsche 911 GT3? Because that's not me. Because if I had a GT3, I would be so greedy and drive it by myself or with my son that I wouldn't want the public to know that I own it. That I wouldn't want to show that to my fans and belittle my fans. You see, my fans can aspire to get a Corvette. So they can afford to buy a Kia Stinger fully loaded. They can afford to buy a Honda Accord or Toyota Camry. They can afford a Type R. To me, that's reality. To me, reality and ownership is worth more. I'd rather own a Civic Type R than lease a Ferrari 488 GTO. And again, I'm speaking in concepts for you to understand where I'm coming from. Ownership is worth more. I'd rather own my music and sell a million records than lease my music to the label and sell 20 million records under the umbrella of another company that's giving me pennies on the dollar for my art, my music, my talent. If I've been stubborn since I got into the industry in 95, 96, what the fuck makes you think I'm going to change my perspective now? You don't have to tell me I'm a superstar. I know I'm a superstar. Listen to my music. You see, I'm so nice with music, I have to put everything aside and, and drape it over everything else. Oh, it's this, it's that, it's this, that, that. But when you hear the music, oh, shit. This motherfucker, this nigga got it. This nigga got it, yo. He's the one. So, you understand the point that I'm trying to make? It has to be about every other limitation, every other excuse, every other parameter. Because when you listen to the music, you're like, yo, if this guy had the backing of a Drake or a Bad Bunny, I would be a bigger artist than both of them put together. And not only can I say that and talk shit and back it up, but I have the catalog to prove it. I have the catalog to prove it. When the, when the record labels had me competing with the world, right, and had me in a point where I had to prove myself, it automatically strengthened my point of view of I'm the best and I'm the greatest of all time. And if that was a sword, like a katana blade or a samurai sword, all I did was sharpen it over the years. So now when people hear the music, they don't understand. I've been doing this shit since 1994. How the fuck can a new artist write better than me? How can they record better than me? How can they freestyle better than me? How can they put together more albums? I have thousands of songs, hundreds of albums, thousands of singles, thousands of collaborations, hundreds of EPs. Like, it's too late already. That's why my lyrics are what they are. Now, in the tour, I can't be humble no more. I got to let people know, yo, you can't touch this. <laughs>
That's it. Fuck that being humble shit. Now, for my fans, for the performance, I'm going to give you all the visual art. The videos are going to look crazy. Matter of fact, shout out to my boy, Choke No Joke, and um, Zook Vision, which we're going to use in, in the States as well, as well as the other people I want to collaborate with overseas. But basically, it is what it is. You know, I can't be humble no more. I got to tell you, yo, I'm the greatest of all time. Now, you either buy into the franchise, you buy into the brand, or you don't. But that's okay because the world is so big that not even my family listens to my music. My music is not for them. It's like if I have a, a, a steak place, right? I have this Tad Steaks, like how they used to have in New York. I can't expect my family to go to Tad Steaks every month or even every year. That's not why we open a restaurant. But I guarantee you, you put me on Times Square, you put me on 34th Street, Tad Steaks. Who doesn't want a New York-style uh, steak sandwich or, or burger or whatever? You get what I'm trying to say? So it's the same thing. It's okay if in America they don't consume my music as much as they do overseas. I'm at the point and stage of my career and in my life where I accept that. So now I embrace it. I charge more money in Europe than I do in other parts of the world for that reason. In Canada, I charge much higher prices than the United States. There is a reason for that because that market is different. Now, I'm not going to limit my performance or water it down if I'm performing in Latin America. Latin America does not have the GDP that Europe has. The standard of living, the cost of living is not the same. Therefore, people don't make the same amount of money. But it's okay for me to drive a Honda Accord or Toyota Camry in the video because they can relate to that. I can write a love song about love or I can write a love song about heartbreak. People can relate to that because pain is the universal language. That is reality. I can't just make a song about all the girls that I got and, 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 and I'm this fucking Hugh Hefner or whatever. That's cool for one song, but you can't make a career out of that. You know? Everybody wants to glamorize all the victories, all the wins. Oh, I did this and I'm great at that. I want to know about your failures. That's how I can learn from you. I want to know about your shortcomings. I want to know about your challenges. I want to know about what has held you from reaching your full potential because that will help me in the future. And how am I going to pay it forward? I'm going to continuously teach that to other people. And the gift of giving is the gift of giving. It's the happiness that you get in return. I could do a complete free concert for like an educational institution, for a place of worship, a church or something like that, a charity, no problem. Because when I go to Europe, when I go to Canada, when I'm in Asia, I'm going to make up that difference. It's not going to make me richer or more successful to charge those places or not to charge them. I do it because of the happiness that I get from giving people that don't have a car to come see me in the city. They can't afford to pay to see me in a multitudinal, which is like a coliseum. And we're talking overseas. You see, it doesn't matter if you don't know who I am. My fans know who I am. They're going to pay to come to the performances. That money is still green. 
and it's still going to be digital because I charge in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And guess what? If I want to buy a Lamborghini or McLaren or a Porsche, as long as I have the Bitcoin, I can do so. And the world doesn't have to know about it because that's not what's important. What is important is the fucking music. Everything else is fluff. Everything else is just fucking smoke and mirrors. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger being the Terminator in the movie with James Cameron. When in real life, he wanted to be the governor. He wanted to get into politics. He married into a family that dealt with politics. He's an immigrant who became a superstar worldwide. And God gives you all these elements in life for you to learn from them. So who am I not to learn from these situations? My family and my colleagues, my peers, my friends, my business partners, they made me tougher than leather because they put me down first. They criticized me first. They attacked me in every way possible, physically, financially, emotionally, psychologically. Do you think I care about what an interviewer could say? You can ask me any questions. You know why? Because I'm an open book and I'm not afraid to tell you. You can't impress me with a Lamborghini. I had one at 17. You can't impress me with millions of dollars. I was a millionaire at 17 years old. So you got to deal with me now. What, what you want me to tell you? I'm not motivated by those things. So when I see people act a certain way on their pursuit of happiness and money and success, or after they achieve it, I see right through it because I know the stages of money. You understand me? I know what it's like to be broke and I know what it's like to be rich. And I know how to identify what stage each person is in because it's happened over and over in my life. In every business, every industry, every investment, every capital venture that I've embarked on, I still have remained the same person. I never changed. What changed was the numbers in the bank account. So if you can make a million, you can make a hundred, right? Theoretically, it should be true. I didn't know you're supposed to make a million dollars every six years. So you know what's my goal? To do it every two years. I'm very competitive in nature. So what am I going to tell a new artist? You know what? Deviate from the music. Focus on the chains and the jewelry and the cars. And if your expenses, if your output... Don't correlate with your income, right, which is your input. Your upkeep is your downfall. See, you can get the house, the Ferrari, the Porsche, the Lamborghini, but it's hard to keep it. You can get married. Anybody can get married. Try to stay married. God bless.